This is Peninsula Talks. It is our Wednesday edition. RPPFM, Piers Cunningham, our COVID-19 reporter on the line. Piers Cunningham, all news probably coming out of New South Wales at the moment as we welcome you back to another edition of Peninsula Talks. Piers, how are you travelling? Yeah, good, thanks, Brendan. Yeah, 97 new cases acquired locally in New South Wales, bringing the total of tests conducted in the 24 hours, 65,000. So lots of tests being done and 785 active cases in that state now, which is a worry. Uh, update for Victoria, one acquired locally in the last 24 hours. I believe that's just an additional family member, so we kind of knew about the, the origin of that. But we do have that slightly concerning story about those removalists who travelled through the state on their way to Adelaide. And uh, we have a lockdown, of course, in uh, Maribyrnong, where, uh, which is actually the, uh, the seat of Bill Shorten, who was... Um, he was quite outspoken recently. He uh, was speaking to an ABC journalist a couple of days ago and he described it as a, a pretty poor show. He used a word that I won't use right now and I think actually uh, was a bit of a surprise to the, uh, the interviewer, Patricia Cavallis. Bill Shorten was saying that uh, you know, he really does think that it's been very, very botched in terms of our response with the, the vaccine rollout. We had, we had the pandemic last year and the big second wave in Victoria. Now we're seeing something similar or worse in New South Wales. And basically he's making the point that we would be in a much better situation right now if we started vaccinating earlier and perhaps been more open to getting the Pfizer vaccine into Australia instead of backing the AZ as much as we did. Well, indeed, very, very difficult. And I guess this is the politics of COVID. Looks like the opposition trying to ramp things up a little bit as well. And looks like maybe Bill Shorten something of a spearhead there. Very difficult, though, just thinking about the logistics of trying to get that Pfizer in here. AstraZeneca at the time looked like the deal could be made locally, didn't need the refrigeration that the Pfizer did as well, plus the Americans and the Europeans buying as much Pfizer as possible. We were, well, we we're going to be in a hard place all along to try and get those sorts of supplies logistically here, weren't we, Piers? Well, look, perhaps we were. I mean, we were, you know, the situation was far worse in those countries you mentioned, and indeed for most of the Northern Hemisphere, really very, very different story. So if there's prioritisation happening, then of course it's going to go to countries that have got, uh, you know, bigger, much bigger outbreaks and a lot more of a death toll, you know, 600,000 plus in, in America and, dead and from, from COVID. So but, but also, I guess... Blame them. And also the point I'm making, I guess, is they've probably got a bigger purse as well. They've got a lot more money to throw around. They're going to be buying in massive quantities. Although, of course, to their credit, none of these pharmaceuticals are making money off the AstraZeneca's and or the other vaccines. They're doing it for nicks or flat. Yeah, I, I, that I actually am not sure of the answer to that. I know that Biden, uh, President Biden, uh, that was a policy that he supported. Um, there was some pushback about the intellectual property that goes with the technology that was used to develop the Pfizer vaccine because it can be used for other things, for example, treating cancer and dealing with other viruses that have been around for a long time and have been you know, insoluble, can be sort of treated but not cured. The mRNA technology, which is behind the, the, the Pfizer vaccine, can be used for those other purposes. And so, therefore, I think there is some reluctance to kind of give it up 
because of the pandemic, although there is political pressure to do so. Well, I must say AstraZeneca is certainly not making any profit off of what it's doing in terms of its vaccine. Notice also that AstraZeneca and Johnson & Johnson now trying to adjust those vaccines to mm-hmm. limit the impact of the blood clots, that very, very slim um, side effect. Yes, indeed. And, and you know, look, there's no question we've had such... We've had, we have had mixed messaging. We've gone from saying, oh, you know, look, it's 50-plus for the AstraZeneca and, and, uh, and then... It's uh, actually no. It should be sixty plus, uh, and then back to then uh, you know, I think back to fifty plus, and now it's pretty much you know in Sydney where there's a, a, a big outbreak. Uh, you know anyone can have it if it if it's if it's available. Anyone can have it. Well, indeed, uh, and, and and they've got it because I mean just looking at the stats again, uh, Pierce. I mean according to the latest figures that I'm seeing here, that uh, the Delta variant is reinfecting people who've already had COVID nineteen. That's one. And also the latest figures I'm seeing is that a single dose of either Pfizer and or AstraZeneca um, provides just 10% protection against the mutation, explaining, I guess, why it is moving so rapidly through the community. So the answer is you've got to get that double jab in and as quickly as possible. Yeah, that's right. And so they're bringing the, the, the time difference between the first and second jab for AstraZeneca is being reduced. They're saying, well, look, it, it does reduce the efficacy. Ideally, you'd wait three months or close to three months between first and second. But they're saying that, in fact, you can reduce that by a month if you're in a, a breakout area. If you're in Greater Sydney, for example, they are actually encouraging people to get both doses um, closer, you know, with less time in between because they want to maximise the the effectiveness of that vaccine. But, you know, there's also in Canada, for example, they're giving, there are people who've, who've, been, who've had the AZ to start with and then they're having the, the Pfizer as a second jab and they're actually saying that, that it works. You get a really good immune response if you have them in that way. So AZ first and then followed by Pfizer. I'm not sure what happens in the, if you re- reverse that order. But in Canada, they're prepared to do that because it also brings up some of the first dose of Pfizer uh, for other people. So if Pfizer's kind of considered the better, more effective against newer strains of the virus, then by mixing and matching, you actually got more Pfizer for more people. Yeah, interesting. The Canadians, of course, have been a little bit slower, the blocks, but it looks like they're beginning to ramp it up a little bit at the moment as well. And just looking at the latest figures coming out of the States as well, Piers, there we were, you know, looking at the United States thinking, wow, you know, Biden's uh, declaration that he was going to have everybody jabbed by July 4th. Now it seems that there's some pushback in the states. The latest figures that I'm seeing here, I'm not not sure what you're seeing, is 23,000 new daily cases now compared to an average three weeks ago of 11,300. But compare that 23,000 now as of this week to the 240,000 that they had at the top of their crisis in the northern winter. Yeah, that's right. And, And we know that England's, Talked about it yesterday on radio in my program about how you know I was watching Wimbledon saying seeing these big packed stadiums and the same with the, the soccer that's been happening in, in, in the UK even though they didn't get the result they wanted against Italy but huge crowds coming out and you know today it was thirty nearly thirty four thousand new cases all of Delta in the UK and yet they still plan to open up. Uh, in a matter of days and completely get rid of their restrictions. So they are relying very heavily on the degree of of, um, protection that they get from the vaccines they've got. But I think it's still only a a little over half in the UK have had both doses of the vaccine. So, you know, they're a long way from herd herd immunity. It will be 
kind of going to be a uh, you know a very interesting lesson for the rest of the world to see what happens there and whether they regret opening up on the 17th, I think, which is when they're planning to do it. Well, same in the States as well, of course, because this uh, latest uh, wave is being induced by the Delta variant over there as well as it gets hold in North America. Interesting days and lessons for us all down here in Australia. Uh, yeah, of course, good. down here, you know, the... Uh, the, the bastion, we're trying to put the bridges up and we're trying to protect ourselves. If New South Wales flared as badly as it did in the last couple of weeks, Pierce, I mean, what's the odds that it, something similar could happen here in Victoria before we do get these vaccines rolled out? Yeah, look, that's right. And unfortunately, um, that, you know, that's, that's exactly what we've seen in the last couple of days, you know, by people who are allowed to work and essential workers, removalists, people who are, who are relocating, uh, those are the sort of, uh, of movement that, that's permitted across the border. Well, that, that's what leads to these leaks, just as we've seen it through the other vulnerable point, which is which is uh, hotel quarantine. So until you get very very wide uh, and large numbers of people vaccinated, it's just going to keep on flaring up. And I think that, you know, just going back a little bit to what um, Bill Shorten was saying, you know, is this really, you know, this, this sort of disaster, is, I won't use his exact word, began with H, S and ended in T. Um, but but uh, he was saying, you know, this is the fe- a federal government uh, failure to get the rollout right. ScoMo, our Prime Minister, has said that Australians are victims of their own success. And notice the uh, the use of the language Australians, meaning all of us, when in fact we're actually being tied to federal government vaccine rollout policies. But I guess what he's saying is by suppressing the virus so well and thinking we can wait and see how well different vaccines work overseas, we've wound up vulnerable to new variants like the super contagious Delta strain, which seems to also present a greater danger to younger people. So it's government complacency to leave us as vulnerable to an endless cycle of costly suppression and then reintroduction from overseas. But I don't think it's just the federal government failure. I think it's also... You'd reckon that after what happened with 109 days of lockdown in, in, in Victoria, the Andrews government would have clamoured for accelerated vaccine rollout as well. But again, brings comes back to my point. Can they get the vaccines that they want and that we need here in Australia? We're up against the big players here. You know, the Europeans and North Americans have grabbed the lot. They've paid big money for it over the odds. And we're down the back of the queue. That's my point. Okay, so that's, you're really talking about Pfizer because the AstraZeneca is being manufactured by Commonwealth Serum Laboratories here Correct. in Melbourne. Correct. And they're, they're churning out hundreds of thousands of doses. I think more than are being used. So it does seem to be a kind of a blockage between the supply, the local supply, and actually the arms of the population. I mean, I, I tried to get, I, I had to get a, to organise a second jab of AstraZeneca, I, I, had to, I had to set up a MyGov account. I then had to link that to the Medicare app, and that was just to prove to be able to get the second jab that I'd had the first. So try getting someone who's in their 80s to do that. Well, I'm glad you're supporting the local product, uh, Mr Cunningham. It's mm. good on well, you. Not, not, by, not, not voluntarily, in a way. I actually asked, could I mix and match, like they're doing in Canada, have a second dose of Pfizer, and they said... Um, no, we're not allowed to do that at the moment. Crikey. Yeah, you're breaking the bounds. Piers, appreciate your time and keeping an eye on all things COVID for us here at RWPFM and Peninsula Talks. And hopefully we can book you again next week to give us the very latest update and hopefully some uh, improving news in New South Wales. And we still here in Victoria immune from what's happening around the rest of the world. Well, not immune, but suppressed or 
encircled or, you know, barricaded. But um, hopefully one day immune. Thank you very much indeed. Piers Cunningham on Thank the line. Me. Good on you, Piers. Thank you very much indeed. RWPFM across the morning time finish.